What the Negro Was Thinking During the 18th Century Essay on Negro Slavery, Number 2 By Othello, a Free Negro, May 23, 1788 In The Journal of Negro History Edited by Carter G. Woodson This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org Read by Wayne Cook Upon no better principle do we plunder the coasts of Africa and bring away its wretched inhabitants as slaves than that by which the greater fish swallows up the lesser. Superior power seems only to produce superior brutality, and that weakness and imbecility which ought to engage our protection and interest the feelings of social benevolence in behalf of the defenseless seems only to provoke us to acts of illiberal outrage and unmanly violence. The practice which has been followed by the English nation since the establishment of the slave trade, I mean that of stirring up the natives of Africa against each other with a view of purchasing the prisoners mutually taken in battle, must strike the humane mind with sentiments of the deepest abhorrence and confer on that people a reproach as lasting as time itself. It is surprising that the Eastern world did not unite to discourage a custom so diabolical in its tendency and to exterminate a species of oppression which humbles the dignity of all mankind. But this torpid inattention can only be accounted for by adverting to the savage disposition of the times, which countenanced cruelties unheard of at this enlightened period. What rudeness of demeanor and brutality of manner which had been introduced into Europe by those swarms of barbarians that overwhelmed it from the north had hardly begun to dissipate before the enlivening sun of civilization when this infernal practice first sprang up into existence. Before this distinguished era of refined barbarity, the sons of Africa were in possession of all the mild enjoyments of peace, all the pleasing delights of uninterrupted harmony, and all the diffusive blessings of profound tranquillity. Boundless must be the punishment which irritated providence will inflict on those whose wanton cruelty has prompted them to destroy this fair arrangement of nature, this flowery prospect of human felicity. Engulfed in the dark abyss of never-ending misery, they shall in bitterness atone for the stab thus given to human nature and in anguish unutterable expiate crimes, for which nothing less than eternal sufferings can make adequate retribution. Equally iniquitous is the practice of robbing that country of its inhabitants, and equally tremendous will be the punishment. The voice of injured thousands who have been violently torn from their native country and carried to distant and inhospitable climes, the bitter lamentations of the wretched, helpless female, the cruel, agonizing sensations of the husband, the father, and the friend, will ascend to the throne of omnipotence and from the elevated heights of heaven cause him with the whole force of almighty vengeance to hurl the guilty perpetrators of those inhuman beings down the steep precipice of inevitable ruin to the bottomless gulf of final, irretrievable, and endless destruction. O ye sons of America, forbear! 
consider the dire consequences that will attend the prosecution against which the all-powerful god of nature holds up his hands and loudly proclaims desist in the insolence of self-consequence we are accustomed to esteem ourselves and the christian powers of europe the only civilized people on the globe the rest without distinction we presumptuously denominate barbarians but when the practices above mentioned come to be deliberately considered when added to these we take a view of the proceedings of the english in the east indies under the direction of the late lord clive and remember what happened in the streets of bengal and calcutta when we likewise reflect on our american mode of driving butchering and exterminating the poor defenseless indians the native and lawful proprietors of the soil we shall acknowledge if we possess the smallest degree of candor that the appellation of barbarian does not belong to them alone while we continue those practices the term christian will only be a burlesque expression signifying no more than it ironically denominates the rudest sect of barbarians that ever disgraced the hand of their creator we have the precepts of the gospel for the government of our moral deportment in violation of which those outrageous wrongs are committed but they have no such meliorating influence among them and only adhere to the simple dictates of reason and natural religion which they never violate might not the inhabitants of africa with still greater justice on their side than we have on ours cross the atlantic seize our citizens carry them to africa and make slaves of them provided they were able to do it but should this be really the case every corner of the globe would reverberate with sound of african oppression so loud would be our complaint and so feeling our appeal to the inhabitants of the world at large we should represent them as a lawless piratical set of unprincipled robbers plunderers and villains who basely prostituted the superior power and information which god had given them for worthy purposes to the vilest of all ends we should not hesitate to say that they made use of those advantages only to infringe upon every dictate of justice to trample underfoot every suggestion of principle and to spurn with contempt every right of humanity the algerines are reprobated all the world over for their unlawful depredations and stigmatized as pirates for their unreasonable exactions from foreign nations but the algerines are no greater pirates than the americans nor are they a race more destructive to the happiness of mankind the depredations of the latter on the coast of africa and upon the indians territory make the truth of this assertion manifest sporadical depredations of the algerines appear to be a judgment from heaven upon the nations to punish their perfidy and atrocious violations of justice and never did any people more justly merit the scourge than americans on whom it seems to fall with peculiar and reiterated violence when they yoke our citizens to the plough and compel them to labor in that degraded manner they only retaliate on us for similar barbarities for algiers is a part of the same country whose helpless inhabitants we are accustomed to carry away but the English and Americans cautiously avoid engaging with a warlike people whom they fear to attack in a manner so base and unworthy, whilst the Algerines, more generous and courageous plunderers, 
are not afraid to make war on brave and well-disciplined enemies who are capable of making a gallant resistance whoever examines into the conditions of the slaves in america will find them in a state of most uncultivated rudeness not instructed in any kind of learning they are grossly ignorant of all refinement and have little else about them belonging to the nature of civilized man than mere form they are strangers to almost every idea that doth not relate to their labor or their food and though naturally possessed of strong sagacity and lively parts are in all respects in a state of most deplorable brutality this is owing to the iron hand of oppression which ever crushes the bud of genius and binds up in chains every expansion of the human mind such their extreme ignorance that they are utterly unacquainted with the laws of the world the injunctions of religion their own natural rights and the forms ceremonies and privileges of marriage originally established by the divinity accordingly they lived in an open violation of the precepts of christianity and with as little formality or restrictions as the brutes of the field unite for the purposes of procreation yet this is a civilized country and a most enlightened period of the world the resplendent glory of the gospel is at hand to conduct us in safety through the labyrinths of life science hath grown up to maturity and is discovered to possess not only all the properties of solidity of strength but likewise every ornament of elegance and every embellishment of fancy philosophy hath here attained the most exalted height of elevation and the art of government hath received such refinements among us as hath equally astonished our friends our enemies and ourselves in fine no annals are more brilliant than those of america nor do any more luxuriantly abound with examples of exalted heroism refined policy and sympathetic humanity yet now the prospect begins to change and all the splendor of this august assemblage will soon be overcast by sudden and impenetrable clouds and american greatness will be obliterated and swallowed up by one enormity slavery diffuses the gloom and casts around us the deepest shade of approaching darkness no longer shall the united states of america be famed for liberty oppression pervades their bowels and while they exhibit a fair exterior to the other parts of the world they are nothing more than painted sepulchres containing within them naught but rottenness and corruption ye voluptuous ye opulent and great who hold in subjection such numbers of your fellow-creatures and suffer these things to happen beware reflect on this lamentable change that may at a future period take place against you arraigned before the almighty sovereign of the universe how will you answer the charge of such complicated enormity the presence of these slaves who have been lost for want of your instruction and by means of your oppression shall make you dart deeper into the flames to avoid their just reproaches and seek out for an asylum in the hidden corners of perdition many persons of opulence in virginia and the carolinas treat their unhappy slaves with every circumstance of coolest neglect and the most deliberate indifference surrounded with a numerous train of servants to contribute to their personal ease and wallowing in all the luxurious plentitude of riches 
they neglect the wretched source whence they draw this profusion many of their negroes on distant estates are left to the entire management of inhuman overseers where they suffer for the want of that sustenance which at the proprietor's seat of residence is wastefully given to the dogs it frequently happens on these large estates that they are not clothed till winter is nearly expired and then the most valuable only are attended to the young and the labor-worn having no other allowance in this respect than the tattered garments thrown off by the more fortunate a single peck of corn a week or the like measure of rice is the ordinary quantity of provision for a hard-working slave to which a small quantity of meat is occasionally though rarely added while those miserable degraded persons thus scantily subsist all the produce of their unwearied toil is taken away to satiate the rapacious master he devoted wretch thoughtless of the sweat and toil with which his wearied exhausted dependents procure what he extravagantly dissipates not contented with the ordinary luxuries of life is perhaps planning at the time some improvement on the voluptuous art thus he sets up two carriages instead of one maintains twenty servants when a fourth part of that number are more than sufficient to discharge the business of personal attendance makes every animal proper for the purpose bleed around him in order to supply the gluttonous profusion of his table and generally gives away what his slaves are pining for those very slaves whose labor enables him to display this liberality no comment is necessary to expose the peculiar folly ingratitude and infamy of such execrable conduct but the custom of neglecting those slaves who have been worn out in our service is unhappily found to prevail not only among the more opulent but through the more extensive round of the middle and inferior ranks of life no better reason can be given for this base inattention than that they are no longer able to contribute to our emoluments with singular dishonor we forget the faithful instrument of past enjoyment and when by length of time it becomes debilitated it is like a withered stalk ungratefully thrown away our slaves unquestionably have the strongest of all claims upon us for protection and support we having compelled them to involuntary servitude and deprived them of every means of protecting or supporting themselves the injustice of our conduct and barbarity of our neglect when this reflection is allowed to predominate becomes so glaringly conspicuous as even to excite against ourselves the strongest emotion of detestation and abhorrence to whom are the wretched sons of africa to apply for redress if their cruel master treats them with unkindness to whom will they resort for protection if he is base enough to refuse it to them the law is not their friend alas too many statutes are enacted against them the world is not their friend the iniquity is too general and extensive no one who hath slaves of his own will protect those of another lest the practice should be retorted thus when their masters abandon them their situation is destitute and forlorn and god is their only friend let us imitate the conduct of a neighboring state and immediately take measures at least 
for the gradual abolition of slavery. Justice demands it of us, and we ought not to hesitate in obeying its invaluable mandates. All the feelings of pity, compassion, affection, and benevolence, all the emotions of tenderness, humanity, philanthropy, and goodness, all the sentiments of mercy, probity, honor, and integrity unite to solicit for their emancipation. Immortal will be the glory of accomplishing their liberation, and eternal the disgrace of keeping them in chains. But if the state of Pennsylvania is to be applauded for her conduct, that of South Carolina can never be too strongly execrated. The legislature of that state, at no very remote period, brought in a bill for prohibiting the use of letters to their slaves, and forbidding them the privilege of being taught to read. This was a deliberate attempt to enslave the minds of those unfortunate objects whose persons they already held in arbitrary subjection. Detestable deviation from the becoming rectitude of man. One more peculiarly distressing circumstance remains to be recounted before I take my final leave of the subject. In the ordinary course of the business of the country, the punishment of relatives frequently happens on the same farm and in view of each other. The father often sees his beloved son, the son his venerable sire, the mother her much-beloved daughter, the daughter her affectionate parent, the husband the wife of his bosom, and she the husband of her affection, cruelly bound up without delicacy or mercy, and punished with all extremity of incensed rage and all the rigor of relenting severity, whilst these unfortunate wretches dare not even interpose in each other's behalf. Let us reverse the case, and suppose it is ours. All is silent horror. End of What the Negro Was Thinking During the Eighteenth Century Essay on Negro Slavery, Number 2, by Othello, May 10, 1788, in the Journal of Negro History, edited by Carter G. Woodson.